Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of Indie's Augmented Reality Podcast. In this month's edition, our CEO Alex, CTO Norby and CPO Chaba talk about where it all began and how Indie walked into AR. The challenges, successes and failures along the way and things that have led us to have launched augmented reality systems in more than 150 locations worldwide. We hope you enjoy. We began on, actually as a company called AppShaker back in about 2009-2010 when we began as a digital agency providing kind of digital solutions for advertising campaigns um, in various locations across Europe. Um, to cut a very long story short about how we, we walked into AR, we actually came across AR by accident. So we began um, talking to a company that I used to work for in London called Art, which was one of the first online art galleries um, in the UK, which is now, I think, part of Saatchi's um, sort of art gallery, online art gallery empire. Um, we, part of Brittart's kind of setup was that you could only purchase the work online. Now to purchase artwork online is a tricky kind of proposition for a couple of reasons. One, you can't see it in flesh. And secondly, it's very difficult to know how big these things are. Um, and one of, one of the kind of USPs of Brittart was that they would ship the artwork to you for, for free. And if you didn't like it, you could send it back in 28 days as if it was kind of a, a, a coat or, or a pair of trousers or something. The problem was that shipping a kind of 10 foot by 10 foot canvas was actually really expensive. And a lot of people were actually ordering something online and then deciding that uh, they didn't like it. And then Brita would have to pay ship it back. So they were spending kind of hundreds and hundreds of pounds delivering artwork across the country to people who never bought it. Uh, so it's like a really bad rental system, which which they were, they were keen to solve. So in the process of, of, of talking to them, we, we came up with the idea back at that point, this was pre, I think this was actually pre-iPhone, which is hard to imagine that even existed, <laughs> but it did exist. And we toyed with the idea of, could you visualize an artwork on a wall before you bought it? Which A, would increase the conversion rate on sales, B, would help um, to stop customers returning artwork uh, and therefore reduce the kind of shipping costs that they were incurring day in, day out. Um, it was a kind of classic agency conversation in that we all sat there and we came up with a great idea but no one had any idea how to actually do it. Um, and uh, our kind of pseudo CTO at the time um, sent a link to a video, I think it was from Japanese University or something, that showed the principle of AR and it was a, a big ugly marker and it was a Nokia mobile phone and you pointed it at the marker and it was like seven frames per second or something like that. <laughs> but it was like the future and we got to we, we got to looking at this technology. Ironically the application for Brittart never happened um, because it was just way too early and the, the technology wasn't ready. But from that point onwards, we, we turned the direction of the entire business. Um, AppShaker became almost purely an augmented reality development company, and then swallowed into Indie, which is, which is actually developing mainly products 
but also kind of bespoke services using AR for clients around the world. So we, I think we're now a team of 20, 25 plus, depending on what we're building. Um, we're installed, we have systems installed in probably 40, 50 countries worldwide. We're probably one of the few profitable augmented reality companies. We're probably one of the few augmented reality companies. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a, a long and short about how we actually got into it. Obviously, the technology evolved massively from 2009. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the development process from initial um, idea to finished product? It uh, really depends because, um, first of all, we have our own platform of uh, AR content. That is uh, our uh, broadcast AR system that it's uh, uh, a system for augmented reality experiences on big screen. So this is a lot of, of what we do, but also we have expertise in the in the mobile field and even on the wearable devices. So the first, let's say that the first approach is always like, what is our client needs? Because we have a lot of requests saying like, okay, I, I see this Pokemon Go thing and I want something like that. Okay, what do you want to, to do? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So in that sense, the first step is trying to identify the client needs, like what do you need, how can we, uh, with the use of this technology and with the expertise that we have, can help you to, to reach that goal. So once that we define that, we, uh, that, once that we define the platform, the client objectives and how can we help them, we start to create the, the um, uh, together with the client, the, the idea, you know? because for instance, we work a lot with uh, with uh, educational institutions that we see on sort of theme parks. So if they want, for instance, an experience that uh, represents uh, or get people closer to virtual animals to uh, in one of our, our platforms, it's like, okay, what, what kind of animals do you want people to interact? What is the story that you want to tell? Uh, on the other side, if it's a mobile application, uh, again, like what is your main objective? Do you want to, to provide information, contextual information for the for your customers? Do you want just to create awareness? Do you want to be just like entertainment um, for for your customers? And then once that we have this uh, this structure, we start with development. It's two two important things: development that Nordic can tell you more about it, and, and content creation that it's a, a, a big of the of the big chunk of the things that we are doing because most of the times it's 3D content, it's a full flow of creating, like making a sketch of what is the what is the thing that we want to create mm -hmm. uh, and incorporating the 3D artists, modeling, uh, rigging, uh, shading, and animating, and then jumping into the into the Unity platform. Yeah, the development process is fairly standard. We, we use a, a mix of uh, development methods. Uh, we sort of uh, adapted a, 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 the Agile method, but we shaped it to ourselves. And we usually have a, a fairly detailed brief on what the client wants, what the features are, what, uh, uh, what the user flow is. So how the, how the user will uh, get from one point to where they want to go inside the application, if it's an application. After the function specification, we create a, a brief but clear system specification. And then we start with a prototype, which is to identify the, if, if the application that we are working on 
is actually uh, working the way we thought it will work. And it's usually with, uh, with dummy data or dummy animations, most, most of the time just cubes or stuff, stuff like that. And uh, after we, we say that the prototype is fine, it's uh, the idea and uh, the, the, the whole uh, user experience uh, would work in a way that we thought it would, then we start the full-blown uh, development process. During, during the development, we do uh, developer tests, uh, unit tests, and all the, uh, the things that are textbook tests. But it, it, it really depends on the size of the, uh, the project that we uh, do. Uh, after that, we have a, an alpha version uh, handover, uh, which is uh, testing uh, the health-ready uh, application or product. Uh, we of course have the bug fixing uh, uh, um, stage and then we hand it over to the beta test. Again, bug fixing stages and then uh, last uh, round of tests and then the release. Of course, during that development process we have uh, set aside a, a, a time frame where we integrate the, the content that the content team delivers. And uh, in that time frame, we work with the content team really closely. There's a lot of back and forth, and uh, and that's pretty much it. Hmm. There's a, there's one thing in, ter in terms of developing AR mobile applications or large screen applications or however you look at it. There's a you're pretty much touching on every kind of sort of possible method of development in terms of. Uh, in India, uh, we, we develop everything in-house. Mm -hmm. So from building PCs, custom-built PCs that are built in-house, we develop the content in-house, we develop the software in-house. Um, so actually, it's, there's a lot going on in a very, very condensed amount of time. Um, and I think we've, we've solved a lot of problems and still run into issues with the integration of those different things. I think Norby, Norby will tell you that if you're a back-end software developer and you just develop back-end, your job is done relatively simply in the sense that you develop what you're supposed to develop and you walk off. Our job is to actually integrate all of those things together in, in that period of time. So I, I, I would say one of the, one of the key issues is that it is the amount of content, how, how it can be processed on the hardware, what the software is capable of rendering, yeah, that's, that's the challenge. And, yeah. and, and actually it's getting more and more because now we are talking with, uh, with uh, customers all around the world that uh, they start to see the, like, a lot of um, technologies that are already there or the words on technology that are already there that will collide in, in the things that we are doing. And, and they came with this brilliant idea about, or with, with an idea, but then also we need to provide our judgment if, if this is technically uh, possible or not. And that's why we also take a lot of, the, of research and development time on, on these things, because there's also an extra step. One of the things that we, we have a responsibility with our clients. And uh, not because you see a YouTube video or you saw something, it means that it's easier or and, and it's something that we are really um, transparent in, in a way, like, okay, hold your horses, let's let us understand this technology and see how we can integrate it. For instance, now we are talking about machine learning, we are talking about object recognition, we are talking about um, incorporating, I don't know, Bitcoin payments in a, in a full system. So in that sense, it's like a lot of people out there, yeah, yeah we can do it. And what we, our approach is like, okay, we need to, to make a, um, 
kind of a report or a first approach on the on the technical uh, feasibility of, of the things that our customers wants to wants to build. And what is true is that there's little there's few people in the world that is connecting all the dots. Like it will be easier in the near future, I think. But uh, but also like trying to as Alex mentioned, trying to connect all these dots on one specific place is, is something kind of new that it makes our, our, our work challenging but more exciting, I yeah. think. Yeah, you know, there, there aren't really many other industries where you have to pull all those pieces together at the same time. So, so AR is, you know, to a certain extent, AR is a visual medium in a lot of ways. But at, but at the moment, AR has been developed by developers and I think it's a fair assumption that developers don't have a great visual eye in the same way that visual, like graphic designers, um, you know, say animators for example, have no real knowledge of, of how to build software in, in that respect. So what you're doing is you're, you're finding that these people are having to get back around the table again and work out a development workflow that doesn't really exist. Um, one kind of very good example is that the amount of, let's say, the quality of the content we can output through Unity, which is the rendering engine, one of the rendering engines we use, has increased. And that means that everything that we can show more things, they're of better, uh, they look, let's say, look more photo real for, for one of the better description. Um, but in turn, that means that the hardware capability in the broadcast pieces needs to be increased. So actually, that was Unity getting better at what they do, us getting better at what we do from a kind of design perspective, which has now impacted on hardware, who are now having to source better graphics processing units within the broadcasting RPCs. Um, and that's happening on like a sort of monthly basis. <laughs> yeah, it also means that uh, the designers or the content uh, developers have to be uh, in really close uh, have to be in contact uh, constantly with the developers because uh, there are some things that they cannot do in Unity that the developers can. Mm -hmm. For example, if they need some solution for a problem that they want to do, want to show something visually, but they they cannot, don't know how to do it, but uh, the developers know how to program it, then they have to work closely together to, to achieve that visual output. Water is a great one. Water is a a constant source of amazement to me, like animated water. We've had pre-rendered water, which was actually more to do with coding than, than animation. It was more a code development than it was a, an animator's work. And now we're into live rendering water, which reduces the, the photo nature of it, but at the same time it's more flexible, but it requires tremendous amounts of, kind of computing power. Uh, Unity codes with A, B and C versions, but not D. Um, you know, maybe software is actually more involved in the water rendering than the content department. <laughs> so you're like, it, it, it kind of looks very simple at the end, but actually the hiccups are not necessarily the individual teams. It's more to do with the individual teams meeting and working with each other properly. Um, I'm trying to say it's not as easy as it looks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any current, um, current project that you guys are working on that you can talk about? I can could, I could kind of say that we are moving quite heavily into the kind of retail space now. Um, and I think that we've got some really, really interesting 
ways of helping retail with, with using AR. Um, and that's not necessarily on mobile. Um, so that's interesting to us. Um, we've got at least two products which we're developing, which will be launching this year, which I think will be really, really interesting. Um, one of them using computer vision, um, one of them kind of a more conventional AR, kind of mobile AR sort of framework. Because we run two businesses, we're developing. So at any given time, we've got teams installed in broadcasting our systems. We've got currently the aquarium of the bay in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and we've got two being installed in Mumbai, in, in India. Uh, and then we've got the, the teams who've just come back from two installations in uh, Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah, or just outside Jeddah. Um, or first in Mexico. First in Mexico, <laughs> yeah, first in Mexico before Mr. Shallow. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, we're kind of delivering products already in the market, and then we've got a kind of product development team and research and development team who, which is headed up by these guys, really, to, to kind of put the next stuff out there. Can you, to finish, um, can, um, can you explain to us what um, in this um, you see app strategy as and what it offers? Basically, over the past two years, we have switched from building content and pre-rendering it only to switching to developing live rendered content only through Unity. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason we did that is because up until two years ago, we were developing content in different ways for different platforms. And that was for one kind of core reason. Unity wasn't up to the standard of what we could do with pre-rendered, so through Maya and then outputted and rendered it through, you know, through kind of farms for however many weeks. Um, and to a certain extent, Unity still can't render water in the way pre-rendered can. But in a lot of other ways, Unity has come on like leaps and bounds. So around two years ago, we began talking about the idea of making the leap from to being able to develop one, let's say a character. So let's say, I'm going to, I'll just say dinosaur, because it just what? normally comes into <laughs> dinosaur territory 90 at a time. Develop a T-Rex, and then be able to output that T-Rex to broadcast AR, which is for big screen, to effectively to Hero Mirror, which is a kind of standalone, um, kind of almost like an AR vending machine that we developed to have that T-Rex running on mobile platforms, so iOS and Android. Um, and then to put it into other products that we have, so some of the stuff we're doing in retail, it would, it would potentially work there as well. So I think, from our perspective, it was a way of unifying a development, because actually the 3D content development, generally worldwide, is actually quite fragmented. So if, if, you're, uh, if you're a big television, if you're a film studio, you're gonna launch a movie. And it's an animated movie, and it's going to cost you 150 million dollars to develop. They spend 150 million dollars developing that, and then in the process, they bring in all of their marketing teams and their PR teams, and, and all across the world, who are going to put it in cinemas and they're going to promote it. Actually, the disconnect in between the animation and the marketing is is, is vast. So what we're trying to do is to get to the point with with the 
become a unified content side is to be able to say that if you pay us to develop a piece of content once, we can then place it in multiple different locations at the same time. And, and as simple as that sounds, it's not really happening. It's certainly not happening in the entertainment industry. It's not happening in, um, in the education industry. Um, and it's definitely not happening in marketing, like advertising and marketing. So it's very simple. It's build one model and be able to use it in lots of different places. Always need to wear the glasses. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about Indie, please visit us at www.industry.com.